Hello and welcome to the BNP Paribas Markets 360 podcast. We cover the topics that matter from the global economy to market strategy. Hello, I'm Trevor Allen, Head of Sustainability Research at Markets 360 here at BNP Paribas. And I'm joined today by Sumati Semavor-Jane, Sustainability Research Analyst on my team. It's Monday morning here in London on the 6th of March, 2023. Today, we would like to discuss the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act, signed into law on August 2022. It will provide a massive boost to domestic companies involved in cleantech industries, as well as foreign companies operating in the U.S. or in countries with free trade agreements with the U.S. With the IRA, the U.S. looks to stimulate domestic growth and tackle supply chain vulnerabilities. We thought we would explore the main implications for cleantech markets here in just under 15 minutes. To kick things off, Sumati, could you briefly explain what approach the IRA is taking? Sure. So most of the $369 billion dedicated for climate spending is in the form of tax credits, i.e. payments directly from the government, with end dates around 2032, thus providing a good level of policy certainty for the decade. Why this format? Well, on the government side, those tax incentives will provide a flexible tool to encourage climate investments without having to offer capital upfront, while allowing scalability based on the uptake of the programs. And on the receiving side, the RA introduces features which make those tax credits feel a lot more like cash transfers, given their transferability and ease to, to claim. So those tax credits comprise of a base rate accompanied by stackable bonus rates based on different conditions such as domestic requirements, but also prevailing wages, location in energy communities and low-income communities and more. And this makes some solar and wind projects eligible for investment tax credit of up to 70%, 7-0. So in some cases, tax credits can be combined. For example, both the renewable energy used to produce clean hydrogen and the hydrogen itself are eligible for credits. Finally, what's most important to mention is the breadth of sectors the IRA covers. For example, the eligibility criteria for energy-related tax credits will broaden in 2025 to zero emission generation and manufacturing, rather than being specific to renewable energy sources. This opens the door for innovation. I believe that last point is something you were particularly excited about, right? Yes, absolutely. The IRA will have an impact across a wide range of sectors, even in areas which weren't deemed economically viable before, such as green hydrogen or non-food competing biofuels, for example. And I'm glad you mentioned the boost to the supply chain, because what's particularly powerful is the layering of subsidies, which have both push and pull factors. The IRA offers producers of parts and components in the supply chain a guarantee that there will be demand given the conditions attached to the subsidies that the IRA developers will receive to generate electricity, for example. And that's trying to tackle several challenges at once, including geopolitical ones. The U.S. is highly dependent on battery components or renewables parts from China today. With tax credits entering into place this year, their impact could be quickly felt, especially for pure plays in that space. For example, for wind generation, 
a more supportive and clear policy outlook might translate into even cheaper financing relative to today, even if access to cheaper components and parts may take longer to filter through. The levelized cost of energy for wind or solar could drop by at least the subsidy amount. Sumati, back to you. What would you say the stakes are in the renewable space going forward? There's no doubt the RA has significantly improved the outlook for renewables build-up this decade. We expect a number of domestic and foreign companies to ramp up their activity in or with the U.S. in order to take advantage of these tax credits. This is essential to make sure enough renewable energy capacity is built to meet the large demand from industries, whether it's transport, heating, manufacturing plants, or even hydrogen production. The extent of renewables buildup will also depend on the resolution of some other key challenges, insufficient grid connectivity, a lack of scale in battery storage capacity to solve the intermittency issues, sourcing challenges for minerals and parts, especially away from China, and permitting backlog and land use. But the U.S. government does seem committed to improve each of those in turn. Also, what's important to add is that the RA takes a pragmatic approach. By extending large-scale support to nuclear, an important baseload power source for the U.S., and as well uh, to carbon capture storage. The government believes that up to 80% of retired coal power plants could be converted to nuclear ones and provide additional um, tax incentives for that. So a challenge we see here is whether new nuclear plants will obtain the necessary regulatory approvals in time to be created or converted, and whether public opinion will improve for nuclear sufficiently fast. Trevor, what about the EV space? What's your take on the RA impact? The IRA is offering significant tax credits for new EVs, previously owned EVs, and commercial clean vehicles. In this way, the IRA is really looking to address the supply chain of electric vehicles all the way to the development and the sale of electric vehicles. Both demand and supply challenges are being tackled here in an effort to actually reduce the high price of American EVs, to reduce the high emissions from heavier weight vehicles, and to reduce the high dependence on supply chains. The U.S. was already importing a large share of their internal combustion engine cars in circulation. But with EVs, it was really running the risk of being crowded out by foreign competition altogether. More particularly, Chinese car makers have been extremely good at leveraging on their local supply chain, as China dominates the manufacturing of battery parts, but also benefiting from government support as well. This meant that Chinese car makers could offer much cheaper EVs relative to Western counterparts. Their market share at home is rising, and they're also starting to gain customers across the world, including the rest of Asia, Europe, and South America. Providing tax credits to car makers in North America and bringing some of the parts of the supply chain closer to home should help boost the comp- competitive profiles of North American EV manufacturers. However, it's important to remember that in order to be eligible for the tax credits, at least 40% of the critical mineral requirements will need to be extracted or processed in the U.S. or in a country with a free trade agreement with the U.S. These eligibility criteria should help encourage mining activity in countries with free trade agreements with the U.S. and also likely ramp up battery recycling activity in North America. 
Now, the EU has also accused the U.S. of combining discriminatory consumption-based tax credits, i.e. pool strategies, with production-based tax credits, i.e. push strategies, putting some of the EV manufacturers and the industry in the EU at a disadvantage. Sumati, do you think such an impact will be felt by EU automakers? The U.S. is an important market for EU automakers, and we don't see that changing for EVs on the back of the IRA alone. For example, EU automakers already have manufacturing plants in the U.S. and will benefit from higher demand, if anything. Europe is also likely to benefit from a U.S. move to direct more funding and innovation towards building resilient EV supply chains away from China, for example, by diversifying supply of critical minerals. Besides, it will push the EU to do more. The EU is considering allowing member states to grant more state aid and use next-generation EU funds more flexibly, for example, by providing tax credits themselves. Its focus will be on the supply side, i.e. incentivizing European companies to stay in Europe. Households already benefit from a number of schemes in the EU, such as EV purchase subsidies, but phase-out has begun in some countries. Finally, we see the EV sector as the most promising area for dialogue and cooperation between the U.S. and EU over government support. In fact, the U.S. government will provide further details in March on the EV tax credits criteria, and um, that means that the eligibility might be widened to include Europe. What about the impact of the RA on the EU's renewables industries? Thank you, Samati. On the renewable side, challenges faced by the industry actually predated the IRA. Renewable energy suffered a setback in 2022 as Europe imported more coal to replace natural gas, and the clean energy industry really suffered from a lack of storage capacity, cost inflation, and regulatory uncertainty such as windfall taxes and permitting backlogs. Wind Europe reported that wind turbine orders fell 47% compared to 2021, running at a third of the capacity additions needed to reach the EU's targets. To ensure renewables are built out fast enough in Europe and prevent domestic companies from relying on other markets for components, European member states might need to provide more support to the industry. This definitely points to more green bond issuance for SSAs eventually. I think that what also caught the EU by surprise is that the U.S. approach comes in direct contrast to its own. The U.S. has opted for a carrot without stick strategy, with no progress on carbon pricing or regulation guidance for hard-to-abate sectors. This makes the fear of of a subsidy war a lot more real. Also, probably good to mention that while the RA is super positive for clean tech industries, it will not in itself allow the U.S. to align fully with the 1.5 degrees. The bill includes a number of concessions for the oil and gas industries, for example, and little consideration for the biodiversity impact. Perhaps to finish off, I'm curious, Trevor, do you think the RA will succeed in reducing Chinese dominance over clean tech supply chains? The U.S. could struggle to meet its transition goals without China. In just a few years, China has consolidated its position in the cleantech industries. For example, China now manufactures over 80% of the world's solar panels, up from around 70% in just 2020. Looking ahead, 
total needs will actually grow and cleantech industries will gain in size. Where the IRA will help is to bring some of the parts of the supply chain closer to home, thus really reducing some of the vulnerabilities it's currently facing. But China will remain an important actor nonetheless overall. All in all, the IRA looks set to provide a much-needed boost to the U.S. cleantech industry, and we see this filtering through to company fundamentals quite quickly, as the primary transmission mechanism is through tax credits. That's all from us here at the Sustainability Desk at Markets 360. I'd like to thank Samati for joining me, and I'd like to thank you for listening. We look forward to you joining us next time. This communication does not constitute research, a recommendation, or any form of advice from BMP Paribas or its affiliates. It does not consider your financial circumstances or objectives, and it may not be suitable for you. It should not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part.